Welcome to Creative MKE, a conversation show from Imagine MKE, where we talk to creative leaders in Milwaukee to highlight all the incredible transformative power of their work in our region. We hope that after listening, you'll be able to imagine our city's arts and culture ecosystem and all the awesome artists, organizations, and creative assets within it in a new way. I'm your host, Elizabeth Gasparka. Hey there, welcome to Creative MKE. Today, along with my colleague, Michael Lagerman, I speak with John Riepenhoff, internationally renowned artist, curator, and gallerist living in Milwaukee. For two decades, John has been programming art exhibitions, happenings, and projects through the Green Gallery. Most recently, he curated Actual Fractals, Act One, Sculpture Milwaukee's latest exhibition, which is currently on view in downtown Milwaukee. In our conversation, we discuss the special art and culture in Milwaukee and hear reflections from John's experiences curating the most recent exhibition for Sculpture Milwaukee, as well as generally serving as an arts ambassador of sorts through his work at the Green Gallery, where he introduces global audiences to artists from this community and brings artists from around the globe to show their work here and immerse themselves in Milwaukee culture. We speak about how his work and service within the arts arose and of his influences, including his love of the culinary arts. We also hear from Riebenhoff about the need he sees for increased support of the arts sector in Milwaukee and Wisconsin, how the arts are essential, and how investment in culture can increase quality of life. Creative MKE is supported through a partnership with Shepherd Express. For more than 40 years, Shepherd Express has proudly advocated for arts and culture in the Milwaukee area. You can hear more podcasts like this one at shepherdexpress.com. Today's feature music is by Joe Riepenhoff. John Riepenhoff is co-owner of the Green Gallery Milwaukee, runs the Open Fund and the Beer Endowment, co-organized Milwaukee International and Dark Fairs, and is an inventor of artistic platforms for the expression of others, as well as a regular food ideator. His exhibitions and curatorial projects have been presented at the Whitney Museum of American Art in New York, Tate Modern in London, La Maison de Rendezvous in Brussels, Crystal Bridges in Bentonville, Arkansas, 356 Mission Road in Los Angeles, Poor Farm in Wisconsin, Linden Sculpture Garden in Milwaukee, as well as many more arts institutions around the nation and the world. Riepenhoff has a BFA from the Peck School of the Arts at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. After the break, stick around for our conversation with John Riepenhoff. John. Hi, thanks for having me. Nice to have you here. To kick us off today in this conversation, could you start by telling us about an art experience that left a strong imprint on you? Yeah, the first thing that comes to mind is I recently was traveling to Basel, Switzerland, and then Riga, Latvia, then back home to Milwaukee. And 
I was traveling for art and I was kind of visiting international art fairs and also artist run scene in, in Latvia and coming home in the company of friends who run galleries in our artists in Tokyo, New York and Paris. I was really impressed um, as we were going into install week of Sculpture Milwaukee at not only the quality of international contemporary art that we were installing in Milwaukee, but also kind of the logistical smoothness that everything was going up. And um, I guess in the context of being on these international art scene and then kind of being home again um, in the presence of, of some also um, international players in that scene, it was kind of really impressive and proud of uh, this scale and of this public exhibition that we we're putting on and also just the quality of the content too. So it's kind of a new thing from the last week, I guess. <laughs> um, but there's just so many great art experiences in Milwaukee at so many different levels from artist run spaces to the institutions that we have that I'm kind of constantly reminded of how special uh, art culture is here. Wonderful. Yeah, that's great. Uh, when you're portering Milwaukee internationally, how do you introduce Milwaukee's art and culture scene to these other cities and people and galleries? Well, there's a few layers of that. I mean, at the conversational layer, people typically come up and just are kind of see Milwaukee as some people don't know where we are and other people, um, I find it as kind of a, an exotic name or word. <laughs> and, um, usually we're kind of a, a token kind of representative of the culture in in places like Miami or New York or, or London or beyond. So from the first picture there, or from the first introduction, it's, it's quite, um, uh, novel. But when I'm thinking about programming for art fairs and thinking about what to broadcast of the culture from here, I'm in a really unique opportunity. And um, one of the resources that I have is like a gallerist, curator, artist in Milwaukee that uh, a lot of my peers in the major art centers elsewhere don't have is proximity to the artists of this region. So mm -hmm. um, every day I get exposure to talent and artists and um, I find that to be a certain responsibility too. So. I do um, show read artists from this region in the context of national and international artists, um, but I also find it like a quite a thoughtful kind of project to try to um, carefully select artists that will one be valued in, in an international context, um, but also maybe just surprise and just show people exactly some of the values that are here. We're, we've got a lot of stereotypes of this region, and I think oftentimes there can be a pretty heavy Midwestern modesty um, mm -hmm. that can almost be to the point of being self-deprecating. Mm -hmm. And um, I think just going forward with confidence and pride in some of the culture that we have here um, and really the artists and the scene here um, make that actually quite easy because uh, I find so much inspiration from just the culture in this region. So in preparation for this conversation, you reintroduced me to the essay written by curator Nicholas Frank from the Milwaukeeus exhibition that was organized in 2013 and held at UWGB. In his essay, Nicholas put forth a lot of really wonderful descriptions of some of the art activities that had happened in the 90s up to 2013. And he also proposed that while Milwaukee artists enjoy this freedom and playfulness that comes from creating in, you know, relative obscurity, being located here in the Midwest in a 
somewhat small city, that they are truly driven by a desire to be in conversation with international cities. So in your work, both as a gallerist and as an artist, you have been such an arbiter of this cross-culturalization between our city's culture and other communities. So I just want you to speak to that a little bit more. What does that mean to you that you are able to be this kind of cultural and artistic ambassador for Milwaukee? And where did that impulse come from initially? Yeah, really over 20 years ago when I started organizing shows and then uh, kind of formalized that through the Green Gallery and the Milwaukee International, these other um, projects that were really intentionally built to design to build community and to kind of um, bring some of the uncertainty of those conversations together, these social spaces. Um, the early the early kind of motivation was just looking around me and looking at the institutions and the artists, uh, opportunities for artists as kind of a young art student um, and kind of not seeing everything that I um, are not seeing opportunities for the artists that I kind of valued. Mm -hmm. So the beginning of the green gallery was just, it was just basically showing artists that I saw value in their work that weren't getting opportunities elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And um, I first was serving my community in river West and the UWM, you know, uh, art scene, but that um, very quickly within a year grew to regional to national and then to international. So green gallery started in 2004 by 2006, I was co-organizing the Milwaukee international art fair again in river West, but my community just grew naturally through just having conversations with artists. And um, it wasn't really like something that I necessarily um, had some grand design over. It was more so just kind of problem solving, filling the need of um, that I, that I was observing in my community. So I absolutely agree with Nicholas's statement that like, you know, there's in this kind of, in sometimes a void of asks of artists <laughs> in Milwaukee that there can be a really creative um, uh, output that's not really um, fulfilling the needs of a client or a market or even some sort of, you know, like grants. Uh, but actually, um, there's like actually a value in artists having that time and space to really kind of like basically not solve problems, but discover problems mm. <laughs> and make problems. <laughs> so yeah, it's, I guess it's been for me th that early impact of kind of just building a venue and building a uh, opportunity for conversation artists to meet each other, artists to meet the public, the public to kind of understand and get access to art. Those are kind of qualities that I still value today, even though I'm running um, commercial institution and curating at a, at a very large public scale mm -hmm. and also operating personally as an artist, um, you know, doing international shows. It's something that I value in all scales of art um, making and art presenting. Can we hone in a little bit on your career as an artist and as a gallerist and a curator? Can you speak to, you know, as you kind of went down this pathway of organizing exhibitions in the early days with your brother, Joe, was there like a framework that you were working with? Like, did you, did you set specific goals for yourself in your career or did it unfold organically? Yeah. I have to say like growing up, um, in Wauwatosa and in Milwaukee, my whole life, I, 
didn't really realize that there weren't models of artists that were kind of contributing to society. And I knew that I wanted to be a civil servant in some way, Mm -hmm. but I didn't really know that in the arts there were opportunities for that. So I was always kind of encouraged to go into the arts, but it was, there was never like a really a concrete role or position or goal for that. Mm -hmm. It was just basically following interests and certain kind of passion, I guess. When I started the Green Gallery in 2004, you know, it was it was more following the model of a of a DIY music venue, a house mm-hmm. venue. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took um, almost five years for me to actually formalize the gallery as a business, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of the development over the course of the last 20 years have, has been basically solving problems that are in front of me, growing out of necessity, not out of some ambition to do mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. <laughs> at 10, 20, 30 years down the road. Sure. Uh, looking back, I'm kind of shocked at like that I've been in it so long, but I've kept present in my role Mm -hmm. and I've said yes to opportunities, even sometimes when they were a little bit uh, beyond my (laughs) knowledge set. And through that process, I've really learned a lot and I've actually um, uh, had the privilege to see the contemporary art scene in Milwaukee really grow and mature, not only with critical mass of artists who end up staying here, but also um, a new generation of patronage and also just kind of public, I think, art awareness of the values of um, something that we have here, which is a really high number of conceptual artists, I think, per capita. It's something that's really special that you don't really see other places that it's kind of emerged out of um, the social structure of our of our art scene, mm-hmm. uh, artists, peer to peer group and less so from uh, some trickle down or some ask mm-hmm. by, by structures above. So I feel, um, yeah, really privileged to be part of this kind of, uh, this, this generation and this movement. You just mentioned civil service and the publics that, uh, engage with art. And I'm curious about actual fractals act one, the exhibition you curated for sculpture Milwaukee. How did you approach the curatorial process for this pretty impressive exhibition? Thanks. I use a lot of my network. I kind of uh, leveraged my network as an artist, as a gallerist, and also just kind of being on the international and local scene for so long to try to bring in artists that I thought kind of represented or kind of invited us into very specific personal and worldviews. So I was interested in bringing in a really diverse group of artists from different backgrounds, from different uh, age groups, different time periods, different cultures. And, um, I also wanted the work to be accessible from a lot of different scales. One is a uh, street level. I think there's a really great curiosity if someone's just who has no art background approaches a monumental sculpture on the street. And there can be something absurd, something kind of uh, intrigue to your day, a little bit different than what you're used to seeing. And I wanted the work to be inviting at a very, um, pedestrian level. I also was in thinking about this other community in Milwaukee, the artists and the curators who might also kind of be able to be invited to um, see the work and read the work at a different level, maybe some of um, the material or the narrative or some of the concepts that the artists are bringing in. And then there's also a group of people that I think will probably see the work only virtually. And, I, and there's an international 
uh, audience who might be paying attention to these durational careers of the artist to thinking about also how different conversations are happening at um, other triennials and biennials and uh, sculpture public exhibitions from an international standpoint. So I was really thinking about uh, multiple audiences and how can I engage in different conversations without really compromising quality or value of, of that conversation. And that really came through the voices of the artists and these kind of different materials and ways of exploring perspective that the, I think that the different artists in this group have uh, showcased. I also think actual fractals is kind of a nod to thinking about how there's a lot of different patterns and ways of thinking that we can kind of zoom into and zoom out of, and we can kind of get different qualities from thinking about things at different scales. Hmm. And I also was interested in thinking about how different and diverse people can be today and how we can all kind of share a time and a place mm-hmm. and we can be present with each other, you know, while being tolerant and accepting of each other's differences and diversity. Hmm. Did this process provide any freedom for you that you haven't experienced with curating the gallery? The team at Sculpture Milwaukee is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. There's staff there who've been there from the very first iteration seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And their knowledge of uh, the locations, of the logistics, and of just kind of the scope of production were incredibly supportive in the process of curating this exhibition. So yeah, there's a bigger staff there than than I have in my studio <laughs> and um, at the gallery setting. But honestly, for me, the most ex- one, some of the most exciting things were one, obviously re- helping to realize in public the voice of the artists, but also seeing the how art is valued by the downtown community in Milwaukee, by property owners, by just general public walking by. It was just. I often host exhibitions in, in indoors and in, um, you know, these different uh, storefronts and private spaces. So that was like really refreshing to see how much business owners and patrons and the public really value art and to see that kind of the te- testimony of that um, in front of the sculptures on the street was really incredible. Going back to what you were just sharing about creating spaces within the art world for diverse audiences to be present together with each other in community. I want to talk about an element of Green Gallery West's kind of social practice that's that's been really enjoyed by the art community in Milwaukee. Um, so you often build culinary experiences into your openings at Green Gallery West. For example, there's a wood fire pizza oven that you constructed in the garden space next to the gallery. So what role does this kind of hospitality play in the culture of the art world? Is it something that's unique to Milwaukee? Well, I think some of these ephemeral experiences that bring us together are one, what some of the things I value the most about even looking at a painting, it reminds me of these passing moments of thoughts and um, sensorial experiences that we have. And for me, um, I think visual art is one part of a big picture, but it's also a reminder of these other relationships and um, experiences that we can have. I also uh, obviously value in food and drink and socialization um, this type of uh other type of communication and information that we have. I think uh, there's parts of the art world that go really heavy in language Mm -hmm. and I value the written word, but I also really value these other ways of communicating through hosting, through body language, through foodways. 
and um, fermentation, hmm. um, ways that are kind of like uh, maybe pre-industrial value structures hmm. that not only connect us with each other in the community and learning about different ways that we relate to the natural world around us, um, but also different cultures and the history of relating to the to our natural environment, but also uh, kind of facilitate ways of hosting and 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 um, connecting with with people. Mm-hmm. A lot of the artists in uh, actual fractals Act One, uh, I've I connected with over food. Paul yeah. Her. Uh, who's Hmong American. Uh, we talk half the time when we're talking, we talk about art and visual arts. And the other time we talk about <laughs> farming and cooking and what restaurants to check out. Hmm. And Erica Versuti, uh, who's uh, based in, or she's Brazilian, also has a studio in Brussels. Her uh, sculpture is actually a bronze cast description of diff- of like three different types of fruit and vegetables that hmm. are stacked on top of each other. Um, so... I just, uh, I guess I love food. I'm passionate about food (laughs) and I see it as a really kind of important way of connecting with people. And I really love, uh, some of the, um, environment that it can create Mm -hmm. to help us understand and value some of the information that's in visual art as well. Thank you. Can you reflect on any models that you encountered earlier in your life and career that might've influenced this this taste for social practice and engaging with multisensory experiences in the art realm. The very first uh, Green Gallery opening, I brewed Green Gallery IPA <laughs> and I saw beer as like a very important part of an art opening when I went to <laughs> other art events at the artist run performance art space, Darling Hall <laughs> or um, other art venues in Milwaukee. You know, you kind of get a beer, it kind of quells some of your anxiety about uh, standing around and not really knowing what to think of the art on the walls. <laughs> and it maybe uh, sets a certain duration of that. You're going to be there to finish the beer. Hmm. Um, and you don't have to have an excuse to like, you know what you're doing there. <laughs> um, so I think I, I brewed beer early on and that ended up being the foundation for the beer endowment, which later, um, in 2015, when I was named the Milwaukee arts board artist of the year and the mayor gave me a check and I said, this is going to be for beer money. <laughs> um, it went to the seed, uh, money for the beer endowment, which, hmm creates recipes based on artist-run organizations. The beer itself will promote that these artist-run organizations exist. And then all the proceeds after production costs go to help benefit the artist-run organizations. So I guess that's like one maybe application that I've used in a different dimension. But I also, obviously, I think just growing up and my parents making food, my dad was outdoor editor for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Mm -hmm. and he would bring home uh, wild game, which uh, you kind of have to be passionate about culture and food to kind of process and and make delicious. So I think probably um, just growing up and having parents who were interested in food kind of helped me value and understand the the importance of that. Awesome. On the note of emerging artists in Milwaukee, do you have any advice for them how to make their practices and career sustainable here? Um, any words to make them stay. Yeah. For any artist that's interested in just getting involved and, um, getting support in art, I, I would say, go out, say yes to things, go see everything you can 
only through experiencing a huge range of uh, what other artists and institutions are doing are we able to really find our community. And um, if you don't find the community that you value, build it. <laughs> I think that it's so important to just go out and experience things and, and be as active as you can. I think it's also important not to be ambitious to the point where you're serving someone else's interests and needs. Mm. I think you need, we should be always following our passion. We should always be engaged. I think we have to work hard and we can, there's really a unique environment in Milwaukee where the cost of living is a lot cheaper than other big cities. Mm -hmm. And, um, with that extra space, um, we can build and influence things in a pretty short period of time. I mean, I guess 20 years for me wasn't terribly short <laughs> period of time, but in the scheme of things can make a bigger change in a city like Milwaukee than we can in much bigger cities that have much bigger art machines uh, mm. in the works. So I would say, yeah, follow your passion and see as much as you can and just be active. You know, you'll never, you never know. I mean, I, I, like I said, I didn't expect to be running the gallery a mm -hmm. couple decades in. And if you just keep at it, there's times where I kind of questioned, why am I doing this? Um, but duration can really help build, um, a kind of a strong presence and an identity. So, yeah. Awesome. On the note of transitioning the identity of Milwaukee to an arts city, a place that's known internationally as an art city. I just want to take a step back here right now. Wisconsin generates $9.7 billion in revenue from the arts sector, right? So from employment, from tourism and hospitality connected to arts productions and events. But Wisconsin currently ranks dead last per capita for investment in the arts. Milwaukee County also reinvests just 0.3% into the arts and culture space. So I want to invite you to be a little creative here and imagine a future for us. If you would paint a picture of Milwaukee where there is more funding for our arts and culture Let's say, for example, part of the new sales tax revenue was earmarked for supporting arts organizations and individual artists. What might that mean for our community? Well, I think it's been kind of remarkable the number of art support, private or nonprofit art support groups that have come up, not um, state or city funded, but through the Knoll Fellowship, through the Generator um, and no studios grant, um, through the open fund. And every time these, uh, joy engine, sorry, there's mm -hmm. many more out there, but this to name a few, um, every time one of these opens, what I realize is not, okay, we've got more support for the arts. It, it makes me realize there's so much need. There's so mm -hmm. much more need. Every time artists apply for these grants, there's artists that don't get the grant. And I just think that there's so much need to support artists and to empower them to not solve problems, but to like actually do projects that they're interested in doing that kind of help make our city a more interesting place. Mm. I think if there is a product of the arts, it's civilization. <laughs> and I think the more our state and our county and our city government can support artists, it's just going to be a better look and it'll can really, it'll help us stand out and, and before thinking about our own culture and the future, 
I am an artist, but for me, an artist empowered future means good wages for arts employees. It means a healthier city. It means more intrigue more curiosity, more open-mindedness, more diversity, better food, (laughs) uh, better music and more pleasure in life. We can try to keep people alive and support them Mm. through a lot of um, like infrastructure. But if it's without the arts, people might not have that reason to, to, to really um, get up every morning and Mm -hmm. experience life. So I just think that um, there's a growing support and a growing knowledge for arts funding. And I think that's great, but I think it's just the beginning um, because I think there's so much more work that needs to be done to help bring this value and support into our, uh, into our culture here. Welcome back, John. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) Hi. So you touched on the Open Fund, which is a new grant for artists that you founded. Can you speak to the formation of it and who it's for? Yeah, the Open Fund is one of the Andy Warhol uh, Foundation for the Arts regranting funds. So they have 32 of uh, partners uh, around the United States. And the open fund is actually run through the poor farm, which is an artist run Kunsala in central Wisconsin run by Michelle Grabner and Brad Killam. They're the fiscal receiver for the open fund. And I administer the fund and it's um, customized for our region, but it's based on a model that the Andy World Foundation for the Arts has established. So there's partner programs in cities all across America. In this year, actually, we've got additional support from the Ruth Foundation for Artists. So the fund supports uh, visual art projects that are public facing and collaborative in operations. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's for projects that are run by artists, initiated by artists, and it could be anything from uh, experimental cinema to a gallery that's not commercial or nonprofit. It's a lot of these projects that kind of don't fit into other aspects of funding. They're not necessarily selling art, so they can't pay rent. They're not seeking out grants from nonprofit organizations. And part of the idea is to support these artists at the very beginning of their institutions. We have these older artists institutions that have been around for decades that are kind of mammoths in the art and art field that actually do get support. But to think about an artist run world, we have to think about seeding these projects in their, their early stages. Mm-hmm. So then the 2023 fund should be opening uh, soon, hopefully late, late summer, early fall. 
And our goal will ultimately be to expand the fund and hopefully provide opportunities for public facing uh, collaborative art projects uh, statewide. One of the things that I've kind of experienced living in the Midwest is that there's not less talent or less artists doing interesting things than in the big cities there, but there are oftentimes less tools Mm. for them to um, realize their projects. So Mm -hmm. the open fund is in one way it's addressing that and Mm -hmm. it's trying to support artists and give them tools to be, have louder voices and have bigger impact on their communities. Um, But it also is a way to support a certain type of production. So I think that we often think of artists as, you know, somebody hermetically working in their studio, (laughs) toiling away in isolation. And those are really, you know, obviously have, there's been great cultural contribution from that type of studio practice, but this grant supports artists who are doing things publicly, who are creating uh, social spaces, Mm. who are providing opportunities for artists to, or for the public to have touch points with artists. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it's artists who are complicating the idea of authorship where they're not saying, oh, I want to make a mural of my own work and put it on the wall. They're saying, I'd like to create a platform for artists to come in and have a voice and create. And sometimes those are artists from our region. And sometimes it means, hey, I want my friend to fly in from, you know, Tokyo or something and do a project and interface and have that kind of cultural exchange Mm -hmm. with the artists from here. Um, I think oftentimes it's hard for us to get on a plane and go elsewhere. But if you bring somebody here from afar and plug them into an uh, artist project that an artist envisioned, you can have a lot of people can kind of have access to that kind of uh, different culture. And, and I think in those spaces, we can also see ourselves differently. Mm. Um, You know, we see ourselves in the eyes of somebody else who's coming into town too. So, Mm -hmm. so you're fostering that next generation of cross-culturalization. I'm hoping, yeah, we're hoping that that's, (laughs) yeah, that, that through cultural exchange, through giving people a confidence and reward for contributing to like a public conversation. And there's already a, a really great round of, of grants that we gave out 12 grants and all those show really great models of what the open fund is looking for, for types of projects to support. And it's very diverse. Exciting. When will the next cycle take place? It's we we don't have a release date. The next cycle, we'll ho- we're hoping to launch uh, the application in late summer or fall of this year, and um, the goal is that it will continue to be an annual grant. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Are there any local figures or institutions that have helped you on your path? Anyone that sticks out from memory early on, mid career? You know. Receiving the Mary Knoll Fellowship for Individual Artists, that in some ways helped me identify publicly as an artist. Before that, I was making art. I was doing some shows here and there. But um, th- that grant helped me see myself kind of publicly as an artist mm-hmm. in some ways. And honestly, every from the early days of Green Gallery where we I was not there was no sales happening. It was just literally people showing up talking about art. Um, there were so many artists that just came and were part of that conversation. And that was like really supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was all kinds of models of uh, Nicholas Frank was a great mentor and collaborator for years. Um, there's so many there's countless artists 
too many to name here. <laughs> I also think every time I put on a show, I'm so inspired by um, the artists work that they put into it. There's not a guarantee that artists will get a financial uh, payback for mm -hmm. being for putting on an exhibition. And um, it's so I, I feel so lucky to have kind of been welcomed into the minds and the artwork worlds of so many artists um, at the Green Gallery. So I also think it's so important to have durational institutions in our region. So the Milwaukee Art Museum, the Linden Sculpture Garden, the Kohler Arts Center, um, the Haggerty, th having an institution stay open for a duration, a long period of time. I greatly miss Innova. That mm. was a really significant uh, venue uh, in my development as an artist. And I think having these spaces, whether we it, like the programming or uh, define ourselves in opposition to the programming, <laughs> I think that's really important for intergenerational knowledge and identity of a place. So I'm, I'm grateful for all these institutions for, for surviving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That it makes a lot of sense that all of these places coexist and help shape the cultural and cultural identity and also the artistic production, like you said, either in sort of contrast or in mm -hmm. like falling in line with and taking inspiration. I should say too that Company Brewing and Clock Shadow Creamery mm -hmm. um, played a really important role for me in my development as, um, I guess, as a gallerist in Milwaukee where um, there weren't really other galleries that were at my own stage, my, the same stage of development that I was um, when I met these other business owners, these creative <laughs> business owners in Milwaukee. So um, I collaborated with uh, Company Brewing to run the beer endowment. And to kind of see my see peers in these other industries, but to realize that, you know, we really had a lot in common to think that we were kind of cultural purveyors and the same with clock shadow. I was just really impressed that I could walk in there and um, throw an idea out there and them welcoming that. And my dream is that we have more um, cross-cultural collaborations in the future and that um, people feel comfortable um, kind of jumping uh mediums mm -hmm. and um and influencing um each other and for me i think one of the defining features of this time in milwaukee for culture and the arts is collaboration mm -hmm. um i think when i was a art student at uwm i kind of didn't see that i didn't see um on an institutional level these institutions collaborating and now um, one of the real important things for me for sculpture milwaukee was to point to programming that has been done at the Milwaukee art museum at the mm -hmm. kohler arts center at the linden sculpture garden and other places and say hey we're sharing ideas and artists that either have shown or will show at these other spaces and my goal is to create a uh, connective tissue and through other art institutions, but also businesses and artists and to feel like um, we're not in competition with each other. Um, we can collaborate and we can maintain our individual identities, mm -hmm. but we can kind of raise the cultural identity of our region up as something that we can all benefit from and rise together with. Beautiful. Yeah. And you've collaborated, you've made these business collaborations artistic and you've also curating it's collaborative, but you've also in your own body of work made these collaborative pieces like the almost art handler pieces. So you've been making work that 
is conceptually about collaboration as well. So I'm also just curious how you think about your work and if you have any favorite pieces or body of work that sticks out to you. Yeah, well, I appreciate that uh, observation to see that mm-hmm. like the easel art handler pieces kind of talk about authorship and uh, in a maybe more nuanced way than a lot of the wall labels on, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, at, uh, at museums. But I have to say, I think, um, and, and to see that, that the scale of things can be, you know, uh, John Ripponoff experience, just a small box in the wall that acts as a gallery. But then to think about a citywide exhibition as not only a tool to put on, uh, an exhibition, but a tool to kind of build community as well. I think for me, my favorite pieces are always the newest beer endowment <laughs> beer. <laughs> and right now we did a beer with a brewery called Illegal in um, Brussels this spring uh, for La Maison de Rendezvous, a gallery uh, that I did a painting exhibition there for, um, as well as uh, uh, Lost 40 Brewing, which is the largest brewery in Arkansas. We brewed a beer called uh, Good Weather Cold IPA for an artist-run gallery that um, exists both in Little Rock as well as uh, Pilsen, Chicago. <laughs> But I've also been really getting a lot of pleasure out of painting recently. So I've got like over 15 year uh, career of painting the night sky at night. Mm. (laughs) And in the last year, I've uh, typically I had been painting the night sky in uh, remote uh, locations around the world. And in the last year or so, I've been painting all Milwaukee night skies and I've been doing multiple nights on the same canvas. And I've also been making, um, these, uh, um, decoy owls that are kind of my company, um, as I look at the paintings. So, um, those have been giving me great pleasure along with a cold, uh, good weather. IPA. The good weather is really good. It's delicious. <laughs> Thanks. I'm glad you agree. So, Kind of diving in a little further to your own creative practice, you know, you've talked about this sensory exploration of culinary, the culinary arts, but what kind of, I guess, ancillary creative practices sharpen your, your painting life other than the cold beer? What other forms of creativity might you employ to sort of get yourself in the right mindset? In the last several years, I've been getting a lot of uh, inspiration and pleasure from non-human animal relationships. So, uh, my partner has been studying dog training and dog cognition and learning about seeing the world through other creatures, ears, eyes, and nose, um, has helped me think a little bit differently about my own vantage. And I think it's built depth to my perspective on, looking at the stars and looking at, um, at the world around me. Another thing that really, I think has improved my painting game is cooking every single meal during, uh, during COVID. Mm. (laughs) Um, I, I love cooking. I love eating. And so I, um, am driven to <laughs> l- learn a bigger, uh, expand my palette of, of cooking. And, um, so yeah, like, um, some of the experimentation, some of the sensorial moves that you can make in cooking and fermenting. And, uh, those have really influenced how I, not only the actions of my painting, but also kind of how I think about things structurally and formally. <laughs> So yeah, dog walks. And then the other thing is, um, 
sauna too. So um, last year I collaborated with us artist friends um, at Current Projects to build a sauna and thinking about um, the role of a gallery as a hearth or as mm -hmm. a meeting point. You were mentioning the oven as an extension of that and the sauna becomes this other space where you kind of put the body into the hearth and it changes the way that you physically feel and think mm -hmm. and um also can have a big um influence on our perception and our our sense of time as well so mm. i guess there's there's not not many things in the day <laughs> that i don't really draw inspiration from and i do feel like although the paintings can feel like a complete thesis of you know of of a of a skyscape, um, there is a, uh, continuum into kind of just the consciousness of our life <laughs> that they're just kind of these little, um, moments that are pulled from. Yeah. I wonder what painting the night sky at night has to like that limited control and visibility of what to be able to not see what you're doing in complete brightness. There's something really beautiful about that. Thanks. I feel like we, no matter how much intention we think we have and we put into our world, mm -hmm. we're capturing in anything that we create so much more information about our time and ourselves than we could, than we'll ever actually have the ability to totally know. Mm -hmm. As long as you kind of put yourself out there and are vulnerable and kind of trying to take risks and be, uh, just be open. Um, I think that we can kind of achieve even more than we intend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you brought up sauna also. Uh, it, it strikes me that that's another sort of durational project as well. Every time you enter the sauna space, you're, you're signing up to put your body through something and experience something, right? Yeah, hopefully um, it's a in the same way that screens, I think, really alter our, our uh, perception of time. Uh, the sauna can do a little bit of a different type of reset for that same that same type of uh, exercise. Yeah. Mm. Slow it down a bit, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, John, I'm just I'm curious, though, in a world where many people have, you know, a huge diverse range of creative impulses and then on the other side of the coin, we have the sort of emergent technology of artificial intelligence. What do you think makes someone an artist? You know, I think that if someone identifies as an artist, then they're an artist. And that probably can include AI. I have <laughs> <laughs> Let's ask it. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't know. I, it, it's, it's such a, I guess I, if somebody does identify as an artist, then that makes them an artist. And that might also include if AI identifies that way as well. <laughs> yeah. We should definitely ask AI if it feels like an artist today. That's what we'll be doing after we close this interview. Artist to identified. Isn't that what that stands for? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know what. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much for spending some time with us today, John. It's been wonderful to hear your insights. Thanks for having me. Thanks for um, providing a bit of a voice for our arts community here. I've been enjoying the conversations. Cool. Thanks, John. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, please share it with others, post about it, leave a rating or review, or contact us. Creative MKE is hosted, edited, and produced by me, Elizabeth Gasparka. It is recorded in beautiful downtown Milwaukee with engineering support from the good folks at PodCamp Media. Creative MKE's theme music was written and produced by Bobby Drake. To get involved or learn more about the work of Imagine MKE, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, or visit us on the web.